The Lord was blessed. We blessed his name. We magnified him. And there were things happening in this city, in your body, in your family, as we worshiped. I think that's important for us to recognize. I'm so thankful, Melissa, every song that you guys chose introduced this sermon. And God is so good like that. This month, our theme has been kingdom power. And I've been meditating on Jesus's ministry right at the beginning. And we read in the Gospels that Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River and the heavens open up visibly, the Holy Spirit in bodily form, it says. That's one of the videos I want to watch when I get to heaven. The Holy Spirit in bodily form descends on Jesus like a dove, and the audible voice of the Father says what? This is my beloved Son. I am pleased in him. What a powerful moment. And then it says directly after that, Jesus was led into the wilderness. One translation says Jesus was compelled to go into the wilderness by the Spirit. And then Luke 4, it makes a point to say this. We're going to look at it in a minute. But it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River and was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by the devil. Filled with the Holy Spirit, led by the Spirit in the wilderness. And here's the part that grips me. Fast forward to verse 14, after the wilderness, after the desert. It says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And we want to focus on the power, the kingdom power. How can this be a reality for us to come out of the wilderness in the power of the Spirit? I want that to be a reality in my life. How can we come out of times of trial and testing in the power of the Spirit? And this is important. The Hebrew word for desert or wilderness is midbar. And in Hebrew, they don't have vowels, so it's MDBR, which also spells another Hebrew word, medaber, which means to speak. The wilderness, the place of speaking. And we see the wilderness all through Scripture. Abraham and Moses and David and Isaiah, Elijah, John the Baptist. God wanted to speak to them. So this was a purposeful action. Getting away from everything to be with the Father was a normal rhythm in Jesus' life. But on this occasion, the Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness into a barren place. Do you guys have that picture of the Judean wilderness? This is the place that, that the Spirit led Jesus to. Barrenness, rocks, some jagged cliffs. It was a dangerous place in the Old Testament. It's called uh, Jeshumon, which means devastation. It was a place of isolation. And even in the Mark account, it said there were wild animals. So he was protected from the wild animals in the desert of Judea. But back to that Hebrew word because this is so cool, guys. The word midbar comes from the root davar, which means speech. If you take the vowels out of that one, 
it lines up with the word devere, which is the word used for the holy of holies. The holy of holies, the place where God dwells, the place that the high priest could only enter once a year. The place of the mouth. So we have all of these related words, desert, wilderness, the mouth, to speak, holy of holies. How do you perceive the wilderness? I think we've come to use that term, dry season. I'm in a wilderness season. And Jesus loved the wilderness. In fact, we see that Jesus often went into that same wilderness, the same one. The Judean wilderness. He chose that place. Jesus chose to follow the Spirit there. And we want to often avoid difficulty. We want to avoid aloneness. We want to avoid testing. But in that place, God meets his people and it produces power. This is often where his presence ministers to us. In fact, Later on, after when Jesus came out, we see him operating in the dunamis power, which we're going to talk about later. The dunamis power, the miracle working power after he comes out of the desert. And he's so over, overcome, I guess, by so many people needing healing. So many people. He chooses to pull away. Now, I would pull away to the grassy oasis. He pulls away to the same place where he was tested. That's powerful. He knew. He knew, I'm going to a holy place, a holy place where God speaks. But someone else speaks in the desert as well. And we know the enemy of our souls, the one who aims to steal and kill and destroy, tries to use fleshly desires to distract us. Especially when we're alone, especially when we feel isolated, especially when we've been taken from what we know. Let's read in Luke 4 together, Jesus' experience in the wilderness. I was thinking how powerful this is that we even have this account, because we know that Jesus was there alone, only him and the Spirit, and the devil shows up. That means that this was a story he chose to tell the disciples. I even, man, that's so deep. I'm so grateful that he chose to share this very personal experience. Luke 4, verse 1. Now Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, this is after his baptism, returned from the Jordan and was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. Mark chapter 1 says, the Spirit drove him to the wilderness. And he ate nothing during those days, and when they had ended, he became hungry. And the devil said to him, now, he was being tempted all 40 days. If you read all the gospel accounts, it makes it clear he was being tempted the entire time. And the devil said to him, if you're the son of God, tell the stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. And he, he led him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, I will give you all this domain and its glory, for it has been handed over to me, and I give it to whomever I want. Therefore, if you worship before me, it shall all be yours. Jesus replied to him, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. 
And he brought him into Jerusalem and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will give his angels orders concerning you to protect you. The enemy is now choosing to say, It is written. And on their hands they will lift you up so that you do not strike your foot against a stone. He's like, maybe if I quote Psalm 91, that'll get him. And Jesus answered and said to him, it's been stated, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had finished every temptation, he left him until the opportune time. Until an opportune time. I think it's so interesting that Jesus would have known he's coming back. He's going to show up again. I'm going to choose the wilderness again. I love it. Jesus was so confident in his ability through the power of the Spirit. Amen? To overcome. In verse 14, And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through all the surrounding district. So I'm going to ask you, are we coming out of the wilderness in the power of the Spirit? And I think this question is answered when we realize there's purpose in the wilderness. It's a time of testing. It's a time of encounter. It's a time to be refreshed. There's purpose in the wilderness. Jesus was not pulling himself up by his own bootstraps. We know that when Jesus came to earth, he made himself fully human, yet he contained the fullness of God. It's beyond our understanding that he could be both. But this is such a precious account that he chose to share with us that he, as a full human, was able to operate in through the leadership of the Spirit to overcome temptation. And this is really important. Why did Jesus do this? And why do we have this in our Bibles? It is significant to our salvation. And here's why. If Jesus had succumbed to temptation, he would not have qualified to be our high priest. The one who saves us. It's important for us to see what was at stake during those 40 days, those six weeks in the desert of aloneness, of fasting. Six weeks alone with the devil showing up. We know Jesus came to earth in human flesh yet chose to walk in the limitations of your, yours and my humanity. And that meant that Jesus was drawing in these moments on the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He was drawing on that. In 1 Corinthians, Jesus is referred to as the last Adam. And as he's in the wilderness, he's weary of hunger and thirst, and he's under a barrage of these opportunities from Satan, and he's standing as the last Adam. What what does that mean? The first Adam stood in the paradise garden. The first Adam stood in paradise and decided to open the door to sin. He gave in. Yet we have the last Adam that stood in a place of intense temptation in the midst of a barren desert and withstood the power of sin. Isn't that powerful? That's our last Adam. Both Adams had the opportunity to disobey. And after the sin of the first Adam, animal sacrifices were brought to God in atonement for sin. 
but the blood of animals could not make, could not take away the power of sin from the human race. Amen? The blood of animals wasn't enough. There had to be a perfect human nature sacrifice, a perfect human sacrificed in the place of sin. And I'm so thankful for our high priest who made a way. This, this account, this this account of his temptation is so crucial to our salvation. I just want us to be grateful right now. It matters that Jesus withstood these six weeks. It matters to us. The one God-man from heaven lived a perfect life and made operating in the power of the Spirit and overcoming sin possible for you and me. He also, in the, in the desert, gave us a model of how to walk in the power of the Spirit to overcome temptation. And that's what I want to touch on today. He had, in, just after his baptism, Samantha and I were talking about this on Friday. It's just after his baptism. That means that he was affirmed by the Father. That's the word you used, Samantha. He had just been affirmed by the Father. And I wonder, I just wonder if Jesus could hear that over and over while he was in the desert. I'm pleased with my son. This is my son. I'm pleased in him. He had just been affirmed. And he had the spirit to empower him and the word in his mouth. These three things, very important. And this is really simple this morning. It's really simple. But I I felt the weight of the of the Spirit on this to share that we would use these three tools to overcome temptation. What do you do in your wilderness moments, in those secret moments, when you hear the whispers of, this will satisfy you? Or maybe you hear, maybe it's beyond that. Maybe you hear, this is who you are. Do this thing. You've already gone too far. You might as well do the next thing. These whispers, you have a right to fill in the blank, right? You have a right to judge. Go ahead, feed your pride. You have a right to gossip about that brother or sister. It's okay to do this thing, to look at this thing. It's okay to make yourself feel good. The grace of God will cover it. These are the whispers of the desert. And Jesus heard the whispers. Think about this. This is just a representation. Jesus was not only tempted three times in his life. (laughs) That's like a Sunday school felt bored thought. Jesus was a human. He was a teenager. Jesus was a young man. (laughs) Jesus had to lead very stubborn people. In Hebrews 2, verse 18, it says this, Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested or tempted. Hebrews 4, verse 15, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in all things. That's a lot of things. Just as we are, yet without sin. Verse 16, therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence 
so that we may receive mercy and find grace for help at the time of our need. We get to approach a throne of grace. We get to approach a throne where we get washed in the grace of God to get help in our time of need. That's amazing. In all things, he was tempted in all things. That means Jesus was tempted to lie. He was tempted to lust. Jesus was tempted to be bitter. He was tempted to keep offense in his heart. He may have been tempted to steal in times where he had no place to lay his head. Jesus was tempted in all things. He was tempted to make himself comfortable when he was not comfortable. We've been given this model, and I think there's power in this today. I felt like the Lord said, I'm going to break off cyclical sin, meaning sin that we think is just going to be a part of our lives for the rest of our lives. This morning, the Lord wants to break that off in partnership with you. It's not something that just happens. It's our partnership with the Spirit of God. So number one, Jesus communed with the Spirit. Jesus was led by the Spirit through the desert. He communed. He was praying without ceasing. I guarantee it. He had to look at that ugly face. Verse 1, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led around by the Spirit. See, Jesus would not step away from the leadership of the Spirit. This is powerful. We know later he would say things like this to his disciples. I can't do anything in and of myself. That'll shake your theology a little bit. I can't do anything. I can only do what I say the, see the Father do, and I can only say what I hear him speak. That is a life of prayer. That's a life of prayer. Jesus was committed to the Father leading him, to the Spirit showing him where to go, telling him what to say. And at the core of him being able to resist temptation was this fact. Father, I will not go with my eyes and my ears, my mouth and my body. I will not go with my mind where your Spirit doesn't lead me. I need your leadership. Just close your eyes right now. Spirit, we need your leadership. I want to be able to say, I will not go where you do not go. We need your leadership. Let that be the cry of our heart. Number two, Jesus spoke the word. He spoke it. When I move my body, when I move my feet, when I, we just sang it, right? When I open my mouth then. Satan has to flee, right? When I get away from it, when I open my mouth to speak his word, this is how Jesus responded each time. Remember, those three temptations were just an example of his life pattern. He prayed. He walked with the Spirit. He spoke the word. This was his life pattern. We know in Ephesians 6, Paul calls the word the sword of the Spirit. He doesn't say, open your hands and let the sword of the Spirit fall into your hand. He says, take up the Spirit. Take up. Do this with me. Take up. 
Take up the Spirit. Take up the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit. It's a personal choice for you to pick it up. Tools for resisting the enemy don't just fall into your hands, right? So we can't look at others that are winning their battles and say, man, they have it good. They just have it good. And that is a trap of Satan. To look at somebody else that's winning the battle with sin and say, they just haven't had happen to them what's happened to me. They are choosing to take the sword of the Spirit, to wield the Word of God, to wield it. Jesus was wielding the sword. He's inviting us to do that daily. Number three, he believed and rested in what the Father said about him. He came into the desert already affirmed. Amen? And, and Romans 8 says, it's the Spirit of God that testifies in me to the fact that he's my Father. I probably say this every time I preach because it's so, it grips my heart. It, it guides me to know that it's the Holy Spirit that's the one that gives me the ability to say, Abba. Abba is the deepest way to address the Father. It's the most endearing way. You're my Papa. It's the Spirit that gives me the ability to say that. The, I have to read the Passion Translation of this verse. Romans 8, 15. It says, the Spirit rises up within us. Our spirits join Him in saying the words of tender affection. Beloved Father. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers in our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. It's his spirit. We need all three. We need the, the guidance of the Holy Spirit, the sword of the spirit. And we need the spirit crying Abba in us to be able to overcome the temptation of the enemy. So let's walk through quickly the three temptations that Jesus encountered, the ones that we have in our Bibles. <laughs> because he encountered everything. But let's look first at 1 John 2. And I believe this is a definition of what Jesus encountered. In fact, a definition, pretty much every sin, every temptation we could ever encounter falls into these three categories. For everything in the world... The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. So we see the lust of the flesh being gratified in my body. My body needs, at this moment, this thing. The lust of the eyes. I see something and I have to have it. I see something and I can't control myself to go towards that thing. The pride of life. Pride in self. I need to be affirmed. I need to be elevated above all. These three things. You can pretty much choose any temptation and put it in one of those categories. So the first one, Jesus encountered the devil saying, verse 3, If you're the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. First of all, he's, he likes this little phrase, so if you're the son of God, he's like, maybe I can just start with that, put a little doubt in his heart. He, he didn't. Okay, if you're the son of God, 
Jesus has a louder voice in his ear. This is my beloved son. Amen? A louder voice. We had to realize how hungry Jesus was in his body. How hungry he was. How thirsty he must have been. He's been alone. He's been fasting. And the enemy is appealing to his flesh. Go ahead, satisfy your flesh. Go ahead. There's nothing wrong with bread. Satisfy your flesh. God made wheat. You know, he likes to twist things. Come on, look out for yourself, son of God. Give yourself something to eat. Satisfy yourself. Your body needs it. Your body's crying out for it. It was made to do it. And Jesus answers him, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. In, Matthew, in the Matthew account, he says, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Jesus is actually answering each one of these temptations with something out of the book of Deuteronomy. It's really interesting that in Deuteronomy 8, Moses is reminding the people of Israel, verse 3, God humbled you and let you go hungry and fed you with the manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know. He provided for you in order to make you understand that man shall not live on bread alone. Man shall live on everything that comes out of the mouth of the Lord. When Jesus responds with Deuteronomy 8.3, it's like he's saying, Israel was required to trust God for provision. Israel was required to trust God to satisfy their bodies. They grumbled. They tried to jump the gun. They tried to take advantage of, to manipulate the hand of the Lord. But I'm going to trust my father in the wilderness. I'm going to believe that he's going to give me what I need. He's going to sustain me in the moment of my weakness. I want to ask you this. When you're hungry in your body, I'm talking about the desires of the flesh, all of them. Do you open your mouth so he can fill it? Because your soul... Your flesh gets real snacky. Do you know what I'm talking about? I've noticed that when I'm tired, when I, even hungry, even hungry um, in my body, my soul, my, my, my flesh tends to wonder. The, in those moments of bodily weakness, the enemy can come in. Just satisfy yourself a little bit. It'll be okay. And Jesus was saying, there's a manna from the mouth of God that I prefer to using the miraculous power that he's put in me to serve others. There's a manna that he will provide for me. I'm not going to try to satisfy myself with something he's given me to minister to others with. And we see later on in, the, in chapter 
4 of Luke, we see Jesus in the synagogue opening the scroll of Isaiah 61 and reading, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. And here's what he's on me for. He's not on me to satisfy my desires. He's not even on me so that I can speak to the difficulty in my life and make it easy. He is on me to set free the captives, to minister to the poor, to open blind eyes, to deliver the oppressed. He's not on me for my own comfort. Ah, that's a hard one. It's a hard one. The Holy Spirit is not on you to make crooked places straight for yourself. Later on, Jesus even says to his disciples in in the book of John, the will of the Father is my food. It's my food. It satisfies me to do his will. And I believe what Jesus was modeling here is dying to the desires of the flesh. Yes, dying. It's just bread. But it represented obedience. It represented selflessness. Really, this could be its own sermon, so I'm going to move on. (laughs) I do have to say this, though. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus says this plainly to his disciples. If anyone wants to come after me, if anyone wants to follow me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily. Because Jesus had to do this daily. And follow me. Jesus didn't have to die every day. Jesus had to resist every day by the power of the Spirit. Deny. The word deny is aparneomai. Aparneomai in the Greek. It means to affirm that there's no acquaintance with. So if anyone wants to follow me, to come after me, he must affirm that there's not a single connection anymore to his flesh, to his old person. Affirm that every day, every day. I deny myself. It's not that I'm denying what God's made me to be through the power of the Spirit. That's not what I'm denying. I'm not denying the giftings he's put in me to use to set free the captives. I'm denying the desires of the flesh. That we all have every day of the week. Every day. If anyone wants to follow me, he must die to the old ways. Reckon them dead. And this is important. If the devil was removed from the picture, you would still have the opportunity to sin in the flesh. This is very important because we can't blame the devil for all of the opportunities. Sometimes it's just our body saying, do the thing. Or our mind saying, you have a right to think that. We can't blame him for the choices we make to feed the old desires. Richard, I'm going to quote you because this is so good. Richard says this, cyclical or habitual sin is like hitting the delay button on the scriptural promises and prophetic words over your life. It's really important. Habitual sin, feeding the flesh. But repentance always reverses the delay. Repentance, thank you, Richard. You might need that on a thing on the wall. I like it. 
Repentance is a changing of my mind. It's a turning away. It's a changing. It's a saying, you know, I really don't want to do that, God. Instead of these habits that were in me before I was born again that I still think are part of me, I need new habits. I need what Jesus walked in in the, in the desert. I need new habits of grace. Everybody say habits of grace. The Word, the Spirit, prayer. I need a prayer life. I need to know the Word enough to be able to say out loud, no, and here's why. Start eating it. All right, so the devil leads Jesus up onto a high mountain. I'm just going to zoom through these. And he shows him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, I will give you all this domain and its glory, for it's been handed over to me, and I give it to whomever I want. Therefore, if you worship before me, it shall all be yours. What is Satan doing here? He's claiming that authority was given to him. And notice that Jesus doesn't debate him about that. God gave man dominion over the earth, and Adam forfeited it to Satan, forfeited it in Genesis 3. The father had given Adam authority. He had given you and me authority over the earth. But when Adam sinned, he forfeited that. But we have a second Adam. Amen? A second Adam that rightfully, sinlessly stood as a perfect lamb and took back the dominion through the cross and the resurrection. Adam lost it. Jesus won it back. So Satan's trying to offer these kingdoms to Jesus as an alternative to dying. This is the easy way out. And maybe, we don't know what would have happened. Maybe he would have been given a measure of some kind of evil power. I don't know. Star Wars. If Jesus had agreed, though, he wouldn't have been able to redeem us. He wouldn't have been able to redeem us through his sacrifice. Jesus knew what had to be done. He was being offered the ability to escape the hard thing. And Jesus replied, get behind me, Satan. For it's written, you shall not worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Jesus is rebuking Satan directly here. Do you? Because in James 4, it says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Resist here means to set oneself against, to oppose Submit to God, oppose, resist the devil. Jesus is modeling, again, a tool for us here. Have you been experiencing torment in your mind, in your body, maybe in your home? Resist the devil. Resist the devil. In the name of Jesus, I command you to go. It might not be like a fast food, quick thing that you see. It's a life pattern, though. It's the ability to stand in the authority of the blood of Jesus and say, in the name of Jesus, I can resist you because of what's been given to me. I'm not a victim of what you're trying to do. I command you to go. What he's doing is he's standing in the leadership of the Spirit and speaking the promise of God. 
The third temptation, the devil says, stand up here on the top of this temple, the pinnacle of the temple. I don't know how the devil brought Jesus to Jerusalem from the wilderness of Judea. It's a little strange, but it says he did. He brought him into Jerusalem to stand on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it's written, it's written again. Oh, this is the one where he quotes Psalm 91. (laughs) Not that other one. All right. It's written, he will give his angels orders concerning you to protect you. And on their hands, they will lift you up so that you do not strike your foot against a stone. He's pulling out all the stops. He's saying, ooh, I'm going I'm to bring out the verse that you love about the protection of God. Go ahead. Test God. He'll protect you. Push him to the, to the limit. He'll protect you. It's biblical. Why don't you put your father to the test? See if he's really for you. Do you really believe, Jesus, that God's going to sustain you on this journey? Do you believe he's going to sustain you and, and give you the power you need? Let's see if he will. Let's test him. And Jesus answered, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. He's rejecting Satan's twisting of scripture because he knew how to rightly divide the truth. Jesus knew that to test the father was to act in pride. To test him, to see if he really fulfill his promise of protection. To test him like this would have been a prideful act. To insist when God should fulfill a promise and how he should fulfill a promise. To test God, it would be to belittle his leadership, to violate his word. And as God leads, he's the one who determines when and how, when he's going to intervene. I'm not the one that determines when. He doesn't have to do it my way. He doesn't have to do it in my time. He's the Father. So it says at the end, when he finished these days of testing, the devil left him for another opportune time. And Jesus was not afraid of the testing. Jesus didn't have anybody to go to and say, pray with me, brother, I'm being tested. I'm not saying that that's not valuable. I'm just saying, how can we get this? Jesus was completely alone for six weeks in the midst of a rocky, cliff, wild beast-ridden place and able, without a brother to pray over him, to resist and to come out of it in the power of the Spirit. So the result, the result of the desert for Jesus was power. And it wasn't just, I did it. It was power to go heal. Now he goes out and his miraculous supernatural ministry begins. Power in the spirit. So let's all stand together. Phil, you can go ahead and come up. I think this is so, such a simple message today. I, I just keep hearing it. It's just, it's simple. Jesus demonstrated this pattern. Spirit leadership through prayer, the sword of the word, and confidence in his position as a son. He didn't belittle the power of sin. By just saying, all I need to know is who I am. 
All I need to know is who I am in the Father, and that's enough. That's, that's not enough. Just knowing who you are in him and that you're accepted by him is not enough. He resisted with the sword of the word. Do you have a sword today? It can't be prayed into you. I wish it could. Do you have a sword? It is food. It is fuel. Take it up. Take it up. Jesus said this to his disciples when they kept falling asleep in the garden. Can't you stay awake for an hour? They couldn't. They'd experienced a lot of trauma. Their bodies were weak. He said this to them. He said, keep watching and praying so you don't come into temptation. That's what I'm doing. Guys, I'm trying to show you how I'm going to stay on the cross. Six weeks in the desert, six hours on the cross. I'm trying to show you, to model for you how you stay. Can't you stay awake and pray? Your flesh is weak, he said. Your spirit is willing. He wasn't, he wasn't speaking down to them even. He was encouraging them. He's saying, I see what's in your spirit. You're willing. Your flesh is weak. Stay awake and pray. Commune with the spirit. Get out your sword. He even, go way, way back. Jesus knew what was coming in Genesis chapter 4. He knew Adam and Eve had already fallen he knew what was coming for Cain. He warned Cain. He said this, Sin is lurking at your door, Cain. Its desire is for you, but you must master it. Sin's desire is for you. You must become the authority over it. You must purpose ahead of time to master it. Take up your sword. Talk to the Spirit of the Lord. Know who you are. Can we have our prayer teams come up? All right. Really, the response to this message is to decide... I want to walk as you walked, Jesus. Amen? You could do that from your seat. But I do know that the Lord wants to break off cyclical sin this morning, addiction. I know that's hard to, do, to, to come forward for something like that. If you want to get prayer for also, so we've got cyclical sin and addiction. If you want to get prayer for I just feel like I feel shame all the time. This is important because that's another whisper of the desert, okay? I, I just, I feel shame all the time. I feel like I can never win. The Lord wants to speak his righteousness over you. And I didn't, I didn't talk about that in this sermon, but there's one online. I did a whole sermon on righteousness. Just look up Christy Harris, righteousness. He wants to speak that over you. Or you could just read his word, righteousness in his word, <laughs> He didn't say, take up a good sermon. He said, take up the sword of the Lord. <laughs> Amen. So shame, if you felt shame and condemnation, 
you know what? It might, it might mean the enemy's trying to place a different identity on you. He wants you to know you're a son. He wants you to know what it looks like to deny sin. But we don't step out of the place of being a son or daughter when we deny sin. We don't step into the place of shame. So those are the two things that were on my heart for responding today. And then lastly, you may say in here, I've never given Jesus leadership over my life. This sounds amazing how Jesus overcame this difficulty, this trial, through the leadership of the Spirit. It's available for you today. Jesus, I give you my life. Give me a cross. Teach me how to die daily. Teach me how to walk in your power. Jesus, I need you. Amen. So we're just going to, I just want to encourage you right now, if you need prayer, come forward. If you're still in your seat, I invite you to just put your hand on your own heart and ask the Lord to strengthen you, to strengthen you. Start thanking the Lord for his sacrifice those six weeks in the wilderness. Thank the Lord for that. Thank the Lord. Walk in gratitude. Lord, we thank you. We praise you for what you endured. We praise you that you lived sinless so that we could be made whole. We could be made righteous. We praise you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. That's a powerful declaration when you know the enemy's coming toward you to make you feel shame. He did it. He did it for me. So I just want to encourage you to come forward now if you need prayer for anything. Come forward here, Phil. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Jesus. Lord, you love us too much that there would be shortcuts, Lord, to that dunamis power. Lord, you love us too much that there would be a way around the wilderness, Father God. God, you love us so much, Father. You love us that much, Jesus. Oh, God. Thank you, you, Jesus. Lord, may we be people of the word, people of the spirit, and people who know who we are in Christ Jesus, that we stand in our identity because we stand in your righteousness, Jesus. We stand in your peace, your joy, because the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, and Jesus knew that. It wasn't the bread and the water that he could have spoken into being just as he was there when everything was spoken into being. But no, he knew 